Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. This is uh, our second program in a series that we're going to be doing with special guests Elizabeth and Christopher Hardesty, who are uh, the newest powerhouse duo to join the uh, the counseling staff here at Faithful and True. Uh, before we start, I want to give everybody a quick uh, update on Mark Laser and his progress as Mark and Debbie continue to be at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The doctors and nurses are working diligently trying to get Mark to be strong enough to take part in this uh, exciting trial uh, that he has scheduled to start at the Mayo Clinic in a number of weeks. So at the moment, uh, there's a number of technical things that they have to work on, such as white, white blood cell counts and, and uh, kind of overall um, physical strength to be able to withstand the testing uh, that's going to be done. So Mark and Deb are down there at uh, Mayo and kind of dedicating round-the-clock uh, watch and effort by the brilliant staff down there and the brilliant doctors as uh, we try to get Mark ready for this uh, hopeful trial that he's uh, been accepted to take part in. So we do appreciate all the prayers that we know are going out uh, for Mark and for Debbie uh, in, this, uh, in this challenging fight against cancer. Uh, now to move on, uh, we last week introduced Chris and Elizabeth and they're back with us today. Something must have gone right because here you are again. Yep, here we are. We're back. We're excited to keep going. All right, all right. Well, the listeners um, may recall that last week we started the uh, the process of change. And, and what we're going to do over the, ne- uh, the next few weeks is uh, describe the stages of recovery. Tell us a bit about those, uh, the first stage, Chris. Sure. So we've got a six-stage process here that's, that, uh, that we're going to be covering over the course of the next six weeks or so spending each week on a stage. And so this this week we're going to start, of course, at stage one. What a great place to start. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you would think so. So stage one is, is uh, status quo, status quo. And we're also going to run this kind of in parallel with uh, a, a biblical analogy as well, and we would, we would consider this kind of Egypt. So Egypt is kind of, uh, it's, it's, Egypt meaning we're we're in this place that's that's foreign and yet it's not foreign it's it in in a sense it's it's comfortable it's it's an illusion and and yet it's not it's uh it's quote unquote normal it's good enough it's familiar it's 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 the it's really all we know we don't know any better than where we're at right now now is that the mindset of the addict I, I guess I want to have a clear understanding, and, and I'm sure the listeners do too. So this is from the perspective of any of, of the guys out there listening. This is kind of stage one of that process of change. And so your analogy to Egypt. Yep, it is. And in, in many ways, we're just, we don't know what we don't know. So we're just, we're completely, we're unaware that we're really in, in, in a mess. You know, we're unaware that, that we've got big problems that need to be dealt with and eventually will find their way 
out one way or another. You know your life's in disarray, but you're not quite sure of the details. Um, I don't. I would say that you you maybe not even sure your life's in disarray. Like it's 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 the illusion that although from the outside in it may look like disarray uh, for you, you feel like it's normal. You feel like it's 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 what you're sort of what you've always been used to. So you don't know any different. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's the wife's perspective on that, Elizabeth? Yeah, um, I would I would agree with that. <clears throat> I think this is what I think of of um, kind of being the the land of of good enough. You know, it's it's just it is what you know. It's what you're familiar with. It's it's the land of kind of what's comfortable, what works. It, it's it's almost as if you know you're kind of in this land of you're, you're in slavery, and yet you really don't even recognize or know that you are. You mm-hmm. what you really think is. I have all the freedom in the world. I mean, look at all the things I'm able to do and um, be a part of and and take part in, and and you don't really realize that truly you're you're living just with crumbs. I mean, really, you're just you're just accepting crumbs when when really there's a feast to be had, but you don't even know. You're just mm-hmm. unaware of really what's going on. So, what actions are you compelled to take when when you're in that stage? Actually, actually, none. So we're not really even thinking that we have a problem. So we're not taking any action at this point. We're just living day to day in the in this illusion. So we're just living day to day in the place where we don't know any better, and we have and we we sort of um, fool ourselves into thinking that this is this is the best there is. This is what this is what life has to offer. And in many ways, in this in this particular stage, you're really kind of you're shooting for what culture says you should be aspiring for. It's there's there's alignment with it's the worldly alignment here in this stage in terms of what we what we aspire for and what we do. And Chris and I uh, spent quite a bit of time last week talking about our story and sharing our story. And so part of what we want to do today is just um, we've been brainstorming a little bit about what did what did this stage of status quo look like for us. You know, how did that show up in our own in our own lives? Just to maybe help the listeners resonate with, oh, like I recognize that from when we were in that place. Yeah, that's what I meant. When I turned to you and said, what's that like for the wife? Um, I think knowing that we've got men and their wives mm-hmm. listening to the show, we want the subject to, to be enlightening for them because we know that we have a good idea of what so many of them are going through. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because there certainly is the whole realm of sexual addiction, and we can talk about what that looks like in this stage. But for Chris and I, this also did look like some of the worldly standards of aspiring for success. You know, we were we were really going after that American dream of whatever it takes, you know, to accumulate wealth, to kind of have that status of, of how we appear to others. For me, there were other ways that it that it showed up that I recognize now, maybe more so than I did fully even then, but there was a lot of comparison for me, just really, where do I fit in with others was big for me. Um, spending a lot of time on social media in ways that really weren't, weren't helping or healthy for me. They really were ways of escaping, kind of numbing out, were a couple other examples for myself of what this looked like. But again, did you realize that that was a problem? No. Yeah. So... What what if what was it to you? What was what compelled you to 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 move in that direction or to continue doing that? 
Well, I think, you know, I didn't really know um, what it what it was like to really be known or really be connected. I didn't there were there were parts of myself that I felt like could be could be shown, could be known by others and parts of myself that couldn't. And so social media came became a way for me, for example, of feeling like I was connected, feeling like I was accepted and enough. And yet I was able to just put parts of me out there and um, kind of show the parts of me that were shiny and, and pretty, but not really be fully known. But that's kind of the nature of social media. Mm-hmm. It's everybody kind of going, look at my beautiful family, look at my beautiful kids, hey, I've got a great job, that kind of thing. I think Mark refers to this phase as um, the land of numb. Yes. Is that what he calls that's right. this? Yep. I mean, because as I hear you guys describe it, um, it that that's a fitting that's a fitting title for this this particular phase absolutely yep Yep. and i would say even the the land of unawareness the land of not really not you it hasn't gotten to a point where there's a there's enough pain yet to motivate change and that's that's the key difference so most of our listeners are somewhere in their journey already so but if you think back to where you were before the journey started, that's precisely the stage that we're talking about. Okay, yep. okay. Yep, it's before there was enough reason to change. And so think back, if you wanna kind of relate to this stage, think back to the way life was before it hit it hit the proverbial hit the fan sort of right. moment, sure. right? Sure. Yeah, or the rock bottom moment, as, as addicts like to say. Right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I know um, also, you know, one thing I was kind of thinking about in terms of, of Chris and I in this was I, we really kind of became those, those Sunday morning Christians where, you know, we would show up to church, we would have on our smiling faces. Um, I think people from the outside would, would say, wow, that couple, they, they've got it, they've got it together. And yet, if you would look at us Monday through Saturday, we were li- living a very different life. It was, um, you know, put on the front but nothing in our lives was really showing that. We were motivated by the wrong things. We were partying. Just a lot of unhealthy behaviors that were kind of leading us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think as an addict, this is also the, this is also the stage where you, you know, you eventually, you know, for, for me, I guess probably I'm at this point, I'm, I'm in my early, early to mid twenties and I'm, and I'm thinking, I know this is a problem in a, in a way, and yet I, I think I can do this, but just by myself. And I and I become that sort of there's that in and out, you know. Every Sunday, it's you know I'll act out during the week. I'll go to church, and I'll just you know we'll put, I'll you know I'll, I'll I'll pray a prayer silently or something, and then all of a you know everything will be fine. Everything for the will be fine, and then all of a reset sudden reset every Sunday. Yep, and then the following week, you know, I'm right back at it where I was. So. So another point to make here is that that double life is definitely entrenched. So mm-hmm. it's it's there, it's happening. You are aware of that. I don't want to I don't want it to sound like you're not you're not fully aware aware of your acting out. And and you may not be fully, but you know you you understand or you're at least living in a in a in a your reality is this double life mm-hmm. for for sure. That's where you're at at this point. Well, let's take our break right now. When we come back, we're going to look a little closer at that because I think that's the sh- the shell that we're breaking through here because uh, I think uh, I wasn't prepared uh, to hear this stage of before you crash and burn, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's what you've kind of opened my eyes to. No, this is before when when you're trying to, like I said, that land of numb, you're, yeah. you're, you're, 
you're moving along, uh, you've got some false pretenses uh, that you're uh, handling internally, you're going to church every Sunday for to hit the reset button, and yet this is just the beginning of you having a clear-cut understanding and realization of, uh, of the demons that you're about to battle. Mm-hmm. You are listening to Chris and Elizabeth Hardesty. I am Randy Everett, your co-host, and we'll be right back with more of the Men of Valor program. struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week. This week, uh, Chris came up with a good one. Both Chris and Elizabeth uh, do uh, a great job in leading, Chris leading men's groups and Elizabeth leading women's groups here at Faithful and True. And along the way, you get to hear uh, a lot of the uh, situations that the men, uh, in Chris's case, that the men are dealing with on a daily basis. And uh, this time of year, as we're now in the middle of September, you came with a good one today. Yeah, yep, yep, especially here in Minnesota, right? Because we're getting ready to move into, they say fall, but actually I think it's just summer and winter. But in, in any case, uh, a big topic and lately in, in sessions and in groups has been um, issues of recovery related to season, seasonal changes. So these annual changes that we go through, specifically for some of the men recently around vocation, you know, and kind of what they, the busy seasons or lack thereof in the jobs that they do, right? So you might have a, a man who, who has, for whatever reason, that in the type of job that he does, he has a busy summer, and then it falls off in the fall, and, you know, it's, a, it's just kind of a dead winter. So not much going on in the winter, and because of the fact that he's bored, doesn't know what to do with himself, that can really put him in a very vulnerable, vulnerable yeah. position. Idle time can be very triggering. You yeah. bet. And the opposite is true as well. Well, I know that there's another fellow I'm thinking of who is moving now into a, from a very slow season into a very busy season, and the stress of that season 
now has got him, also has him in a very vulnerable place. So I think the point of it is just kind of finding a, we're talking about extremes, right? And so finding a balance or finding a place, a, a sweet spot, you know, where, where, you're, where you're able to manage that stress All or right. boredom. Great trigger. Thanks for bringing that to the show, uh, Chris. We appreciate that. Well, I'll take us back here to talking about the, the first stage of status quo. Um, and just kind of thinking about this again in terms of, of Chris and I and what this looked like. Uh, we shared last week that um, earlier in our relationship, part, there was a partial disclosure that was given to me, which um, led to my own kind of ways of coping and um, numbing that pain, which led to my own secrets and, and, and my own affairs. And so really, I think what happened for Chris and I in this, in this stage was just so many, so many lies and distortions that we really did kind of begin to live that, that double life. Um, I know, I know for myself, there were, there were a lot of really unhealthy ways of how I communicated to Chris, how I communicated with others. Um, I was a people pleaser. I would, um, I would lie quickly and lie easily just to minimize and avoid pain. And, and really, um, I just kind of believe like this is as good as it gets, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in my past. There's, there's, there's secrets that I have. And I really just believed that's just what's going to be like, I'm, I'm going to have to, um, just go to my grave with those secrets. This is the way that Chris and I will forever communicate, like just kind of coming to terms and surrendering that this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as well. I think, um, you know, for, for me, this was a, uh, this is where the career was really uh, on that upward trajectory. And as a result of that, uh, it had me on the road a lot. And so there were, you know, there were opportunities um, to act out. And, and uh, along with that came the, came the drinking. And, and actually, a lot of this really just kind of carried over from, you know, it really kind of starts like we said in our story, our, our story last week, you know, it just kind of starts, it starts, you know, as a teenager or what have you. And then it just kind of carries over into, in, in, into the marriage or into your adult life. And that really is what was happening. So there were, so for me, there was this, there was, there was, you know, the binge drinking and so forth. And I just kind of call this maybe another way to think of it as kind of straddling the fence of life, you know, kind of one foot on one side, one foot on the other. And, and uh, it's it's noncommittal. It's a it's a place where you find a lot of comfort, whether you really know it or not, or you're aware of it or not, um, in your secret on the secret side of the fence. Um, and yet you, you you do feel and see that there's 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 a better way of living uh, on the other side of the fence. But you're just there's just not you're just not compelled. To, to go there and live there, and in some ways you might not even know how to how to fully be on the on the on the on the quote on the kind of the, the healthy side of the fence, and so you just it, you just drone on and on and on. You you put some kind of key phrases um, on the chart that you created here, and and under this stage one, um, and you mentioned status quo before, but as I'm hearing you describe it. All of a sudden, your your terms make sense to me here, mm-hmm. where it it's good enough. And like you said, mm-hmm. um, 
okay, I don't have to overcome these secrets I'm keeping. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to have these secrets. I think I can live with it. It's good enough, yeah. you know. Or you you get yourself comfortable with either your relationship or the life that you guys are building together. And um, you, you do what's familiar to you. And, and uh, reflex default, what does that mean? Reflex default is really just being sort of in a, a default. It kind of gets back to that not not really knowing any better. It's it's also about just entrenched patterns of being or entrenched patterns of living. It's sort of this is the way I've always done it. I, again, I don't know any better, and so I'm just going to continue doing what I've always done because you're not seeing a real reason to change. I, why change? Yeah, you know, I'm st I'm 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 surviving. Uh, life life feels like it's okay, it's good enough, you know, and so that reflex default is just sort of sort of about just kind of doing doing life the way it's always been done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whether I whether I know it or not. Now at this point, have the kids come along yet? Yeah, yeah, there were children in the picture for sure for us during this stage, and I think um, for myself, part of part of children was thinking, okay, like maybe this, you know maybe this will be the thing. Maybe this is going to be the, the magic ticket that's going to really change things. It's going to change the way that we communicate. It's going to change the way that we connect because now we're going to have children together. And um, what a blessing they are. And it also, I think, sometimes even added to the stress of this and even provided more ways of needing to cope and numb out because, because kids are stressful and um, provided that opportunity. One more thing I would say to that, I think, um, in terms of, of this whole stage was, um, Chris has mentioned this already as well, but not really even knowing what, what, we, what you would do different, what you would change, what would change look like. And I know for me, fear, fear held me hostage in this stage, that if I ever even had a thought of telling anybody my secrets or even telling anybody what it was really like in our marriage, what what th what the hard things really were like, that fear just kept me from saying anything. People wouldn't understand. Nobody would nobody would get me. You just people would shame me or or turn away from me. So I think for me as well, fear was a big part of kind of keeping me quiet in the stage and just feeling like this is what I have to kind of put up with. And Chris, I would imagine that you, as as the guy in this scenario, uh, like so many of uh, the, the the group of men that we serve, um, you had your own guilt and shame about everything. And you're thinking to yourself, if I was totally honest, if you knew all there was to know about me, you would. That's right. And Elizabeth would leave me uh, or people would not like me. People mm -hmm. would not accept me because of things I've done. And, Absolutely. You know, and, and that's a very, as we have learned over time here, that that just goes hand in hand with with this addiction. You bet. And you know, we, what we what we come to realize later on in other stages is that what's what's really active and firing, you know, on a consistent basis are our core beliefs within ourselves. And we'll we'll talk about that more in another another show. Mm -hmm. But it's they're active. They're alive and active right there. And it's those messages around if you knew me, you'd reject me. No one can meet my needs but me. You know, some of those classic core beliefs around, you know, that around sex addiction or addiction in general. Um, but there are many others as well. And at the crux of that is really is a, a fear of um, ultimately a, abandonment, a fear of being, of being alone and 
And, uh, you know, and that's the trap, and that's why this is so tricky. And so when the kids came along, Chris, from your perspective, uh, how did you look at that? Did that complicate things? Did that magnify the problem? Or did it? Did you also look at it, like uh, Elizabeth said, now, you know, this will be part of our solution. We now have kids, so this acting out and these, uh, these relational problems won't continue because now what do we have in common? We've got the love, our love for our kids. So about our children, you know, our children are a tremendous blessing, and I think this kind of gets back to the, we talk a lot about the ampersand around, around here and how, um, you know, things aren't black and white or yes or no and so forth. And, and while the kids were a blessing, it sh- certainly added a tremendous amount of stress, which, which, which in hindsight I know I, I was not able to process and handle very well and ultimately really exacerbated the, the urges and the, the addictive tendencies um, and, and really just added fuel to the fire. I, I just didn't know how to manage that. You know, and I think this brings up a, a good point. You know, the kids came along, and I told myself, this time it'll change. Previously, I got married, and I said, well, this time it'll change. Before that, it was, you know, a college graduation, a high school graduation. It was, and, and yet, this is, a, all, of that, all of that to say that another characteristic of this stage is that you, you, you think you're going to hit another milestone, and things are going to change, and they don't, they don't change. So those are, some of the, those are some of the hallmarks of this stage one, the status quo. And remember, we kind of liken this to the Exodus story and, and Egypt. And it's the place where you feel you know you're a slave and yet you feel at home. Right. Well, at this point, let's uh, let's wrap up today's show. And uh, this has been a good explanation of stage one. Uh, we hope that uh, the listeners are uh, enjoying the show and benefiting from this. Uh, we will come back next week to talk about stage two and continue this discussion of the process of change. I'm Randy Everett, the co-host of the Ben of Valor program, and we again thank Chris and Elizabeth Hardesty uh, for leaving us in this series. Uh, until next week, we hope that you have a week that's full. Many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.